everybody. Welcome to episode 37 of the podcast that goes Nick. I'm your host, Jason Venable. I'll be joined once again for Denise Seibert as we uh, cover everything but what's left for June of 2013 after our uh, last blockbuster episode. So we got two books left that came out this last week in June and we will hit them up here. So uh, Denise will do some with me. I'll fly solo on a few and uh, we'll get it on wrapped up and in your ear holes. So, alright, well that's enough of that. Here we go! Okay, so first up we have Wolverine number 5. But before we get to that, Denise had some uh, pontifications that she wanted to go through. Is that a word? Yes, it is. Um, I, I'm looking at her. She has a little notebook uh, flipped open with some uh, podcast questions. All right, so I'm a dork. What can I say? No, and disclaimer, because we're about to do Wolverine number five, and some of this will be a little more obvious after we get to the issue, but to Denise's credit, almost as soon as we were, oh, well, not done recording, but as soon as I put up the Wolverine Gets Mad episode, Denise was listening to some stuff, and she started emailing me immediately for a couple of days at work about different things that she thought of while she was listening to the episode. Well, so whatever it is she's going to go through here, I, I have proof that she sent these ideas to me before we read number five. So I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, that's the disclaimer. The legal copy. It gets read really, really fast on the end of car commercials. Right. <laughs> okay, so so here were my questions as, we, as I was listening to the podcast you put up. And, and part of it was, I think there were questions that kind of filtered in the back of my mind, but never really i guess came to fruition until i was listening to it again right that happens to me all the time we get done we literally push stop and like oh man i wanted to say this and i can wait i I can go back and keep adding stuff over and over again but it doesn't sound cohesive so yeah I, i feel you so uh in issue number one wolverine states that lieutenant tomato smells funny <laughs> in fact her comment is she smells like cheese fries Does she smell like rotten tomatoes no, actually, she states that uh, it's her cheese fries that she right. had for lunch. But I kind of started to wonder if Wolverine was smelling. You know how he says everybody smells sick? Right. If they had sort of were disguising her smell or the smell hadn't manifested to 100%. Yeah, well, and cheese fries could be a sick smell. I remember when my nephew, my first nephew, was two years old. He stuck a french fry up his nose and nobody knew about it. (laughs) And it rotted up there. (laughs) (laughs) And he had the stankiest breath. We were like worried. Like, okay, what's wrong with this kid's breath? And eventually, my sister took him in and 
<laughs> Lo and behold, he had a, a decomposing french fry up his nose. That's disgusting. <laughs> it is pretty disgusting. But that just goes to show that smelling sick and smelling like cheese fries may not be all that far apart. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Well, uh, so the next note I had is that uh, Nick Fury takes the thing out of Wolverine's arm. Right. And could that thing that that they took out have overtaken S.H.I.E.L.D. since it was empty when they took it out. Right. Well, I, I wondered about this a lot, too, because I'm wondering, and I actually didn't say this to you, and, and essentially just kind of came to me. It was empty. We find out, well, we knew before going into it, but we find out for sure in this issue that part of the reason they can't do anything with Wolverine is because his healing factor rejects them. Right. And so I'm wondering if this bullet was shot at him as an intent they couldn't control them how they normally were, so they thought they'd give them like a highly concentrated dose. Right. But then it still didn't work. But maybe somehow, because your idea was maybe that Nick Fury took the bullet out and somehow got infected. Right. I'm wondering if maybe, because we, we discover kind of as we go through this, that the kind of Wolverine's leading theory is that this is some kind of airborne right. toxin. And I'm wondering if maybe somehow... That thing shot into Wolverine's arm, and we made they made a big nose and didn't go through. It stuck in. Right. I'm thinking maybe it released something into Wolverine. His healing factor rejected it, but if it's airborne, what if he, like... Is his, breathing it yeah, out? Yeah, he breathed it back out. Now, my only question about that is because it would seem to indicate that anybody around him maybe was exposed to his bad breath. Right, but, so the people in the bar. Right, were they they were there when they took the bullet out, right? Yeah, because okay. it was Frankenstein, whatever her name is. It was Frankenstein. It wasn't also the Wolverine's little like book club. Yes, they because he now they Frankenstein put it in a vial. Right. Oh, but we're talking about his breath. So yeah, his whole little book club fan. Okay, so that may not work then because they don't seem to be infected. Correct. Okay. Well, that we know of. True. True. And then uh, my last thing was, whatever happened to the people who bled into the incubator? We don't know yet. I mean, shouldn't there be like on, you know, the five o'clock news, pile of corpses found, bled <laughs> out? I think they got, whenever the pharmacy cleaned up the stuff, I think they just kind of swept it under the bloody rug. Under the bloody rug? That's a really mm-hmm. big rug. Yeah. That sounds like a euphemism from PMS. I mean, we're going <laughs> to move on. <laughs> Okay, so Wolverine number five is uh, drown. It's called Drowning, right? Drowning yeah. Wolverine. Yeah, or is it Drowning Logan? Uh, you get the title page? I do. I it's right. just mine's four yeah. pages in. Drowning right. Logan. Drowning Logan, part one. This is written by Paul Cornell. We have a guest penciler, Mircio Pierre Federici. Does that sound good to you? Sure. Okay. Carl Kessel was Zach Fisher of the Inkers. Andre Mosa is a colorist. VCs Corey Pettit is a letterer. And then Alvin Davis, Alvin, Alan Davis, Farmer, and Hollingsworth did the cover. And there's a variant cover by Ed McGinnis. So, what do you think about this cover? It's got basically has Wolverine underwater, but apparently inside, like a submarine or something. And he's got his claws out, and he's fighting some S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. Well, I went to have these S.H.I.E.L.D. agents look like they're 
they're fine breathing underwater. They're kind of smiling, yeah. Yeah, but then you have some that are completely floating and um, obviously aren't so fine. Right. And either knocked out or ran out of breath or whatever. Well, there's no bubbles coming out of one of them, so I'm, I'm going to assume that he's not breathing. Right. He's probably dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but overall, it's a pretty decent cover. I think it's interesting that... Um, I want to say, is this the first time we see Wolverine in a state of fear? Um, I don't know. I mean, have I ever in this story? In the in this series, which granted, there's only five of them. It you know all the covers have had him looking menacing or I think he got scared. But maybe it was a mixture of fear and concern with the boy. Yeah. So I don't know. This one, he he genuinely seems concerned for his life. Right. Oh, you know, we found out the last issue that drowning is not a good thing for Wolverine. So, well, um, but did we really, or they just they speculated well, yeah, on it? Yeah, it was and, speculation. Yes. Yeah, I do really like the colors on the cover by Hollingsworth. Really fantastic, I think. All right, cool. So we switch open, and what do you think of this uh, new art right off the bat? Ah, uh, <laughs> do I have to answer that one? Okay. I, uh, yeah, I try really hard on the podcast not to come down too hard on our creators because, you know, they're artists. They're, they're doing their job, and uh. you might have a little more ground to stand on because you're actually a good artist. <laughs> For me, it's like criticizing someone who draws. Well, I, I mean, I can't do it, so it's really I, hard for me. My, uh, I will say I miss Alan Davis on this issue. Yes. And this guy reminds, something about him reminds me of like, it's not quite anime looking, but kind of like one of those Adult Swim shows that's kind of an yes. anime knockoff. Yes. Like it kind of has that feel to me. I do like one thing, one positive I have to say is I like like you see the uh, gun shells kind of falling out of the handgun from the shield agent. And it's, I, I think the detail is really nice. I think it's just a little TV show looking. It is a little TV show looking and and I'll just make this comment now in certain panels as you go through the comic. I'm not fond of the way he draws Wolverine's face. Yeah, I and his body like structure is a little... It kind of looks like... Um, his chin's out of proportion. Oh. <laughs> well, that too. Comparing this guy to TV, may, he may take that as, as a really good compliment. So for I, all I know, this is exactly what he was going for. You know what? As an artist, I think everyone has a different style. Yeah, definitely. And I... And this guy's definitely a change of pace from Davis. Yes, it is. And I I think I was so taken aback just opening the front page and going, whoa. Because I... Okay, y'all are going to hate me. I don't read who draws the books. I just read them. (laughs) Right. And so... To open it up and realize, whoa, I think even I, I asked you like two pages into it. This isn't the same artist. <laughs> right, right. And so um, I, I still think it's great art. I just, it's not necessarily what I'm used to or, or my palette. All right, so right off the bat, we, we get kind of an old school thing where uh, we get Wolverine called The Wolverine, like his very earliest appearances. So it says, what the Wolverine is thinking. And it starts talking about uh, some uh, samurai movies, how they don't really match, like, real Japan. So you kind of have that thing. But basically, Wolverine, so he's in... Does it say where we are? Do we get, like, a... No. You, right. you, it, it's literally right. like we, a uh, Pulp Fiction type thing. Right. 
So we know he's somewhere fighting shield agents. And he's uh, he's giving it to him a little bit. We get a guy with like a lightsaber. Well, basically, we, we get the movie idea because he thinks of this quote that says, a samurai has to be willing to shoulder the sin of killing. Now, is that actually a movie quote? I don't know. Oh, okay. You got Google. Google it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, then Wolverine yells something in Japanese. Anyway, he's thinking of this because when he came down this corridor, he didn't want to have to kill any of these short agents because he knows they're innocent. And he's doing his best, but it's just not possible to manage this sort of fight. And that's kind of Wolverine's kind of thing. Uh, he doesn't want to be violent all the time, but he gets in these situations where he kind of has to be, and sometimes people die. So, it says, so he's doing it again, like he did with the father in the mall. He's shouldering that sin. Oh. Is it from a movie? Well... The very first thing that pops up is The Last Samurai, but it doesn't say... <laughs> okay. Um, that's probably, that sounds like it'd be from The Last Samurai. So, there you go. Thank you, Google. If Google would like to sponsor the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we, we'll take wine and beer. <laughs> right. All right, so then we get kind of an abstract title page, which kind of, I mean, it fits the story, I guess. Um, See, what I, would didn't, you call this style? I didn't think it did at all. I, I, it reminded me of James, like a James Bond movie, like a title sequence. Yeah, it, it's got the like retro. All it needs is Go Go Girls dancing in the background. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think James Bond is a good comparison. So we have Wolverine in Drowning Logan, Part One of Two. Down, down, down. <laughs> All right. So earlier that day, I actually really <laughs> like this page. I laugh because the the shield. Agent car looks like a minivan. soccer mill yeah. <laughs> minivan. Yeah. Was it that way earlier? No, it looked cooler. <laughs> okay. So anyway, uh, so I guess Wolverine did decide to go with Fury to debrief as they go to Helen Keller. Helen Keller? Helen Keller. <laughs> and you go see Helen Keller and uh, they, they can't get any information out of her so they put her back in her cell. <laughs> no, they go to Helen Carrier Hercules. I really like the uh, the way the new guy draws the helicarrier. I think it looks pretty sweet. That does look really cool. The color is really nice on this page, too. Wolverine smells everybody. They smell normal. But they're not normal. Well, they smell normal. Oh, so something's fixed. changed in that regard, yeah, I guess. They fixed that problem. Wolverine asks Nick Fury a question, but he hesitates. And, uh,. And Wolverine says, something you get from a long, stressful life. You hear when someone hesitates and we get a snicked. Your first snicked. Our first snicked. And Wolverine starts going, cutting up the shield agents. And so Wolverine's like, all right, so we're doing this in the open. Let's do it. All right. And basically, he's, he's talking to whatever the power is. And he started doing that a couple of issues ago, I guess. And he's basically saying, all right, so you've taken everyone on board. Wherever you are, at least you stop telling me lies about doom bots. I walked in here because I figured there must be someone in charge who left for me to warn. Basically warn that I'm, I'm coming to get you. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, why else would the Watcher freak out at the idea of me not coming here? So that explains that very curious line at the end of issue number four. Yeah. Where Wolverine's like, oh, I think I get it. Because the Watcher showed up when Wolverine was about... I really think that Wolverine was about to just go nuts on the shield guys 
right there then and there right and go find this the the incubator by himself and the watcher shows up and what i didn't really get at the time which makes sense now is that the watcher was saying no you have to go right and so so here he is he came and so basically he keeps kind of searching his way through the helicarrier and he gets a, a skype from nick fury jr <laughs> He said, this is going out to every screen. And yeah, we know you're not stupid enough to answer. Like, we're not stupid enough to think you haven't figured out most of what's going on. But we want you to know we don't want to hurt anyone, but we can hurt anyone, you included. I still don't get why these people are like, we don't want to hurt anybody, but we've just maimed like six people. Because... You sacrifice some for the benefit of the whole. Yeah, but he they sacrificed an entire mall. <laughs> yeah, well. And they were going to take out Wrigley Field. I, and I think they're testing us, <laughs> testing the humans. Well, are we yeah, yeah, we can take out 10,000 of them. There's like 400 million of them. Right. They'll never miss those 10,000. Yeah. Well, anyway, so Nick Fury tells Wolverine that there's a crisis coming, but Wolverine will be able to live it out stuck inside the helicarrier. Which is funny because Wolverine doesn't know he's stuck yet. <laughs> yeah. But they basically say that um, Wolverine's special. They're interested in him. And they want him to be around when all this is over. So I guess they can study him is my thought on that. Well, they thought he was special from the get-go. Right. And so Nick Fury talks about how the Helen Carrier was meant to deal with Atlantis. Okay, so I have a non-comic reader question. Okay. Atlantis at various times in its history has been hostile towards the surface world. So, so it Atlantis sense, exists. Yes, in the Marvel Universe, Atlantis exists. Uh, Namor, the submariner, is its king. And at various times, he has either personally attacked humans or led his kingdom against the humans. So it makes sense for S.H.I.E.L.D. to have a contingency plan in, in case, case they ever have to fight him again. Okay. So that's kind of what's going on. And so basically, the Helen Carrier just dips into the ocean and, and dives right in. So basically, Wolverine tells him, you want me? Come and find me. And he starts b- cutting stuff up inside this room he's in, knocking out all the communications, pulls out his iPad, calls his book club, and he wants schematics on the Helen Carrier. Like now. Like now. And so we go back to the Guarnica. I'm just sticking with that pronunciation. <laughs> uh, bar in New York City. And they are all, they're all talking to each other, trying to figure out if any of them have the plans. Uh, the bookie guy calls Wanda. And we're kind of led to believe maybe that it's the Scarlet Witch. So basically, and they send Wolverine the plans. Or at least they get the plans. I don't know if Wolverine, does he actually get them? I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Because I think he kind of, while he's waiting for them to make this phone call, he sort of discovers what oh, you're yeah. about to discuss. So, right, so he finds this like room that's been locked up. And he, he goes into them, and there's three shield agents in there. It's a decompression chamber, and you have an intercom. And they're like, we've been in here 18 hours. They forgot us. So Wolverine decides, well, they were immune then to whenever this thing came in and took people over. So basically, Wolverine hooks these guys up with gas masks. Or actually, I guess he made sure they had gas masks in there before he opened it up. Yeah. And basically, he just reaffirms that he's immune because of his healing factor, but they're going to walk around with some gas mask because there's some kind of basically spore in the air making everybody slaves to whatever this hive alien thing is. Wolverine. He does have a funny line. He goes, 
Uh, and lucky for me, I got a mutant healing factor to keep whatever it is out. Don't have to get a flu shot either. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I know, that was pretty funny. And, uh, so the shield agent tells him that once the helicarrier goes below a certain depth, nobody can come after him. And he's basically asking, like, are you going to get the Avengers here? <laughs> Actually, earlier she goes... She's, why are they here? Yeah, and he's like, oh, just me, just one Avenger. And so the shield agent is worried that Wolverine's going to kill everybody. Okay. His uh, reputation precedes him. I... Okay, so I know I made fun of this a couple podcasts ago where he goes back and forth and basically throws whatever card he wants out. I'm an Avenger. I'm an X-Men. I'm an right. Avenger. And so here, you know, it's like, you're you're the only Avenger, right? But he's in an X-Men uniform. Well, he's always in an X-Men uniform. Well, I know, but that's what I think is funny about the whole thing. I'm an Avenger. Ignore the X-Men uniform. Well, it doesn't have to be separate, especially in Marvel now. We have Uncanny Avengers, which is a team... Of Avengers and X-Men working together. So everything's nice and cohesive in the Marvel Now universe. So I think they need some uh, new branding, new marketing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They discussed that in the book. And Wolverine's like, no, I'm not going to. Fury's a drinking buddy of mine. And not everything you've heard about me is true. So they go to a non-lethal weapon armory. Basically, they're going to find ways to shoot darts and... I guess rubber bullets at their fellow agents to try to uh, get something accomplished. Now, I'm really wondering if ships have... Now, this is the uh, non-mortal wounding. <laughs> I I met S.H.I.E.L.D. Wood in case they needed to like, break up a riot or something, you know. Yeah, but wouldn't you just stick everything in the same place and just know that everybody knows that the yeah, right side is peaceful? some dumbass agent <laughs> grab a shotgun during the rubber bullet day and he'd shoot everybody up. So I, I, there's probably different armor. It may be like in the same place, but there's pro, it's probably separated into different armories. Oh, okay. That, that makes sense to me. I, I'm, I'm 100% behind that. So Wolverine sees a bunch of guards. They're, they're getting ready for a trap. We get another snicked. We get really quiet snicks. They're real, they're real small. No, and... that's, yeah. There's not a lot of room to fit them on these panels. True, so. but I do, I do like this panel the where Wolverine is on an angle. Anyway, he says, you guys might get your respirators damaged, so I guess it's going to be me doing what I do best, like you heard. Which, of course, the famous Wolverine line, I'm the best there is at what I do, mm-hmm. and what I do ain't pretty. Yeah. <laughs> so, like he says, and like always, hating it. So we get a nice, you know, Get some good like Wolverine moments here. Yeah. So pretty good, pretty good so far by Cornell. And then again the reader is describing Wolverine like he's talking about Wolverine in the past. So he says, and that was how we came to this moment in time. As soon as he lets his calming thoughts return to the present, that moment Okay, is so random sorry. Over. Not to interrupt, but random thought as I'm sitting here looking at these weird little verbal snippets from the viewers yeah so you know in the last one we both agreed that last page to be ripped out and it was a narration from a book yeah it's probably the same guy yeah Uh, that was my thought okay so then wolverine cuts his way to the guards we see none of the action boo (laughs) yeah but it's over oh well technically we did that the action's in the beginning Oh, you think that's what that was? Yeah, that's why I said it's like a Pulp Fiction moment. Okay. 
Gotcha. Yeah. All right. You you got to see the warfare up front. Then they right. cut back. So the first page just took place again. Yes. Okay. Cool. So anyway, one of the uh, one of Wolverine's shield buddies comes in and says, "Mostly wounded, some for life, three dead, including yeah, a friend of mine." I guess we're choosing who gets saved. And Wolverine says, I did not damn well choose. He says, don't get sniffity with me or I'm going to get snickety with you. <laughs> Basically, Wolverine is, uh, he just kind of, he went to town and did what he had to do. I mean, he was getting shot at and He's beat got on. and blood all over him. And... Yeah. I mean, we as a reader know he didn't do this lightly. Like, he didn't just go and say, no. I'm going to kill everybody. And the fact that they're all not dead, and I think the uh, the female shield agent, the blonde, gets it. She's like, I know. She gets it. Her hands are out. Her boobs are out. Her knees are kind of slightly bent. She's got a thing for Wolverine. I think she's just walking, but okay. Yeah, delicately. <laughs> like a little step petite on her flower. laying on the ground. She's goose-stepping through the... Uh, yeah, in the decompression Potential chamber, cadavers. she was, you know, bitching, and now she's like a delicate flower tiptoeing through the daisies. Okay, Wolverine wants to seal the area off. And Wolverine says, they hinted they could hurt me. If making me kill innocents was it, I was going to say they don't know me, but maybe they really... And then Nick Fury Skypes them again, and basically he says they're cut off the room, and they're going to find out what happens... When Wolverine drowns and they start flooding this room. So, to be continued. I really don't like that last panel. No. Wolverine's face looks horrible. In fact, <laughs> quite honestly, it this is another throwaway. I, it could have... Oh, no, you see... No, I, I would have preferred had the panel before the very last one where they see the water and the you know it's flooding in, if it just ended right there. I think that would have been a way better panel than the whole... Wolverine screaming and we gotta have a cliffhanger though. Yeah, as, as I, the writer I, needs something to like say. Maybe it is Wolverine's face that's just throwing this panel off, yeah. but it I don't like it. It was kind of Planet of the Apes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's because you're the trying original. to you're trying. It's drawn from the perspective of someone who's also in the water, like. Looking up at Wolverine, that's why you can see up his nose and whatnot. And right. but it's just it's it's awkward, and he's got three chins. And yeah. okay, I'm over exaggerating, but it, I, yeah, I'm right. sorry, person who drew this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we knew interesting in the letters pages. Get a promise that everything is going to come to head in the next issue. It better. <laughs> All right, so what do you think about this? We've already kind of talked about the art. What do you think about the comic overall? I know we said if nothing came to fruition or nothing was resolved, we were going to start throwing comics across the room. And so do you feel like anything was resolved? No. Oh, I knew. I, I feel like we, we learned for sure that S.H.I.E.L.D. is possessed. Okay, so the, that's... The S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, so that got wrapped up. That's sort not of, hanging anymore. Yeah. We still don't know anything about who's behind it. No, we still don't. I mean, the gun. The or gun did not doing. make an appearance. No, the gun. The damn gun did not the make damn an appearance gun. in this uh, comic at all. I still don't know why the guys were bleeding out. We still don't know what was in the incubator. Um, I still say a dragon. <laughs> Just wishful thinking. Just wishful thinking. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of. I'm. I don't know. No. No. 
I I didn't throw the iPad across the room tonight, but I'm getting there. Oh yeah. It didn't frustrate me as much. I think quite honestly because they didn't throw any more loops at you. Well, I thought the writing was really good. I thought we got a lot of really good Wolverine character moments. Yes. I thought we got just enough in the shield aspect to move the story along. I would have liked to have seen more. So I'm not yeah. disagreeing with you. Totally. On the art, actually, I like it better on the iPad than I did in the comic. Because actually, kind of you can get that kind of TV feel from the iPad. Right. So it played more like an old Robotech episode. <laughs> <laughs> so... So that part made me like it a little bit better. I still just thought it was okay. I'm going to give the issue overall. It's kind of a straight middle of the road two out of three claws. It wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It was just kind of, it's another part of the story. It happened. We got enough good character moments for me to enjoy what was happening to Wolverine as far as the overall plot. I definitely can use more. But yeah, I'm going to give just a straight right down the middle two out of three claws. Okay, and you, all right, so I can't give any half claws. Nope. Can I give a middle finger claw? No, how many times do we have to But it's, it's one claw, it just happens to land in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you're going to give it one claw? I, okay, I want to give it one claw because quite honestly, I'm getting to the point where I need more than the one cookie it gave me. Like, it, it needs to start explaining more and faster because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of getting to the point where I feel mentally when I'm done with the comic, it's like, there's no point in reading the next one because they're not going to resolve anything. <laughs> and so, and that to me is not a good thing. Right. Because you, you want to be able to go, ooh, what's going to happen next? And I kind of don't feel that way anymore. So while, I, yes, I could theoretically give it one claw, the fact that they're drowning him, I guess because they've toyed around with the idea that that's the only way to kill Wolverine. And yeah. I still don't feel like, I feel like in this comic, they're going to say that's not true. And so Probably. that's that's I, the only thing that's keeping me around right now. I feel like for whatever reason, then these guys are kind of like putting Wolverine in a lab test. Yeah. And I, I guess because they keep saying, oh, drowning's the only way to kill Wolverine. Let's try it. And then, you know, he gets in these almost situations and pulls himself out of it and oh let's try it again that when it actually happens he's either going to find his way out or we're going to find out that drowning him isn't how he gets killed and then well then there's no resolution so Mm. i'm going to give it a uber soft uber limp two claws so we both give it a variation of two out of three claws that's wolverine number five no we'll see what six brings us it, it better bring something. More than just Wolverine running around a helicarrier. Yeah. And basically, that kind of summarizes the whole issue. That if is. take away the character moments, basically what happened is Wolverine ran around a shield helicarrier. And yeah. then in the end, he got trapped in a room and they filled it with water. Yes. That is exactly the best summary ever. All right. Cool. Well, let's uh, move on. Okay. Up next, we have And of the X-Men. With Wolverine and the X-Men number 32, Hellfire Saga, part two of five. This is written by Jason Aaron, penciled by Nick Bradshaw, inks by Walden Wong, colors by Laura Martin and Matt Mia. Mises Clayton Cowles is the letterer. And then the cover is by Nick Bradshaw and Maury Hollowell. And I gotta say, I absolutely love this cover i second that it is 
freaking amazing. It's one of my favorite covers of the year so far. I have to say, I not only am impressed with the cover as far as colors go and how well it's drawn, but just the the design of it. Yeah. So basically, Wolverine is uh, he's just kind of walking with his arms out and his claws out, and he's, he's in his uniform, and he's coming out of a pink Banff cloud, and he's got just a ton of Banffs all around him, just going nuts. Well, and, and um, I, I love how there's a lot of overlapping. Like, there's a Banff tail that wraps around his right arm, and then there's another Banff tail that wraps completely around the left arm. And right. There's just, there's so much overlapping and, and these Banffs are just going freaking nuts. And yet Wolverine is cool as yeah. a cucumber. He's stone cold. Yeah. On this cover. Yeah. It's- and, and, okay. So, you know, my issues with the other comic where, where does Wolverine put his wallet? Now I can see where he puts his wallet. Yeah. Yes. I told you he had belt pouches. Okay, that's a belt pouch. What the other Wolverine has isn't. He will just draw the uh, perspective differently. But yeah, that's not perspective issues, baby. <laughs> okay, whatever. Anyway, I yeah, this cover is by Bradshaw and Hallwell is just flipping fantastic. I like it. It's a whole, amazing. Whole lot. So you didn't get this issue. You should a just for the cover. This this book is still one of the strongest Wolverine books out there. But also, yeah. You, you, you want to see this cover. And for some reason you missed it, just go Google the cover. But you should read it. So, All right, so we start off at the corporate headquarters of Kilgore Arms in Midtown Manhattan. And there's been a break-in, and the guards discover a giant snowman. Hmm, I wonder who <laughs> could be up to the giant right. snowman. So they do a quick scan. There's no weapons in the snowman. It's just ice. But the snowman talks. Right. He goes, don't be grumpy, machine gun friends. Happy snowman just wants to play. And he's got a big smile on his face as they knock its head off. And then uh, Iceman's kind of standing off in the hall and he's tapping on the on the wall. And he's like, hey, there, we got company. And I didn't trip the alarm as uh, <laughs> Kenny Price sticks her head out and talks about how hard the security is to, to crack. And Iceman's like, all right, all right. Take your time, babe. I got your back. And of course... You know, they're, they're dating. They're an item. Oh, so, didn't know that. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure if you did or not. So if you've been reading along, you know that's up. But if you aren't, then now you know. Can you pride nice men or dating? I don't know if this is before or after what's going on over in Astonishing X-Men, but Iceman is just normal. He looks normal. Uh, happy-go-lucky Iceman. So all that Death Seed stuff is not, it's either before or after that's resolved. <laughs> But then the snowman turns into a giant freaky ice monster and he's going, Frosty the snowman! <laughs> it, it reminds me of a bad Stephen King. Yes, yeah. Because <laughs> you got a, like a dinosaur head coming out, eating one guy's arm. and Right, well, actually that's like a, um, some kind of dog dog thing. The dinosaur head's on top and you got a guy screaming and all kinds of arms and legs and tendrils. Crushing the Hellfire security guys. They're trying to melt it with a blowtorch. That, that's Which one I way to take it down. Scene because in the yeah. next couple of panels, it's just a bunch of drippy eyes. In the meantime, Kenny Pride has discovered... And, you know, one thing is some people complain about this with Jason Aaron. I kind of like it. You get kind of the comic book inside name-dropping that Jason Aaron 
He doesn't do all the time. Like, he didn't really do that as much when he was doing the solo Wolverine book. But in this book, he does it a lot. I, I personally enjoy it. I think it's funny. We have an example of that where Kenny Pride's like, the security is Latvarian and Atlantean. You know, and ah, it's just hard to crack, you know, whatever. And so instead of being Russian or whatever, you know, we use comic book places. I, I think it's cool. I, so. I'd prefer it. Yeah. It makes you feel like you're just nestled snugly into the whole Marvel universe. Yes. So, but basically, Kenny is trying to use a program. She's finding all kinds of information about Kilgore, but the one thing she can't find is the thing they're looking for, and that's where is he hiding and where does he have the students. So Kenny declares this whole mission was a colossal waste of time. And then Iceman does something I don't like. Yeah. Those seem very, um... I, I get the idea where he's like, hey, you can bill us for the burst pipe and all the cleanup and stuff. And if he had just, like, kind of did spike A giant ice, hole in the wall. Yeah, through the building, that's fine. But the way Bradshaw draws this is like there's giant chunks of building falling off as ice knocks the top of the building off. Yeah. And we, we've already been made aware that this is a square in the middle of downtown Manhattan. Yeah. And I just don't feel like it's very, um... X-Men? Yeah, I know Iceman doesn't always think everything through. Like that's kind of in his character, but this is a little extreme. Like, like people are gonna get crushed, and like whole city, like a whole city block is gonna get knocked over by the top of that building. And yeah, it just seems like damaging the building for the sake of damaging Kilgore, not caring about his property damage, totally down with. Yeah, but this picture looks like. A lot more than that's going to get hurt. I, and I then, agree. While that's all happening, while people on the street below are dying, <laughs> Iceman and Kenny Pride surf off on an ice slide, just all giggles. I didn't like that panel at all. I, I, I like think the smartassery, but. I like the smartassery, yes, but I don't like the way they're drawn. It seems completely different. You think so? I, yeah. Okay. I kind of like the way that it makes it look like they're treating the mission like a date. Yeah. Her facial features just look different. That's because she's a lot. She's cackling. <laughs> yeah. X-Men don't, don't cackle. I don't know. Can I think it's part of their X-Men code. Oh, okay. So we go to uh, Chaparanga Beach in Indonesia, which is a... Uh, yeah, I've always meant to look and never have, and this is a real beach. But in the Marvel Universe, this is where spaceships go to die. Basically, like, all the spaceships that are found around the world are taken here and stored. It's called, like, the Spaceship Junkyard. So when did Slimer become a X-Men? That's dupe. I don't like this character. I'm just... The only Wolverine in the X-Men issue I didn't... I haven't given three out of three claws so far was his, like, spotlight issue. He's Slimer. Yeah, pretty much. Did did he pop in right around the time of Ghostbusters? Oh, no, no, no. Way later. This is a er, late 90s, early 2000s thing. Uh, Mike Allred, who's an indie creator, came on and took over X-Force and changed the name to X-Statics and made up a bunch of like off-the-wall characters, and this guy was one of them. Yeah, he's a total There was a girl rip. called You Go Girl. Oh, that was her name, like You Go Girl. Did was you hear it? the crickets? I, <laughs> I like Mike Allred's art. I've never really gotten into any of his books, and that was one included on the list of stuff of his. I tried and didn't really keep reading. That was a nightmare that should have never come to pass. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, Doob and Warbird are, or Deathbird, I always, right, so there's Deathbird and Warbird. One of them is her name, and one of them is her title, and I get those confused all the time. 
<laughs> she just needs to pick one and go with it. <laughs> right. Anyway, they're interrogating some aliens at the grave, the ship graveyard. And she says, if you don't talk, I'm going to start cutting off tentacles. Then we go to somewhere above the Atlantic Ocean. An angel and beast are flying around. Angel's concerned because he's kind of been the main recruiter for the Jean Grey school. Okay. He's like, this is my fault. I should have recruited these students first. And Beast is like, no, they've been ahead of us the whole time. They even stole some of our students. We are, you already recruited. So, I mean, it's, we, we're everybody, it's everybody's fault, basically. Beast needs to look where he's going. He, he needs to learn not to text and fly. <laughs> and can wait. <laughs> All right, then we go to 30,000 feet above New York. And we thought Obama was getting in trouble for uh, spying <laughs> on people. We have uh, Rachel Gray. Uh, she's in a trance, and she's reading the whole city's mind. They're trying to. And Storm calls out the uh, ethical question of what she's doing. Well, yeah, because she even states how many people are uh, doing making what? love. Yeah, yeah. She says there are uh, two... That trillion seven hundred eighty nine million five sixty seven thousand two hundred eighty two people sweeping eight hundred fifty five thousand four hundred ninety nine making love. Well, and, we need one more to make it an even number. Hundred ninety eight thousand sixty two dying zero who know where to find the Hellfire Club. And after a storm ejects, she just keeps counting. <laughs> so with different people doing different things. And then she ends with 3,999 screaming. Which makes me wonder, are they screaming because she's opening up their mind? Or are they just screaming because it's New York City and there's just that many people screaming at any given time? Well, there are... How many taxi drivers are there? (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Then we get a, uh, a very new take on Shark Girl. She's not as bulky. She's much more, um, effeminate. Well, she's very lean. Yeah, very lean, and her boobs have grown. I don't think I've ever seen Shark Girl. I think uh, okay. this is the first time I'm seeing her. Okay. So she seems very Shark Girl is a sassy little lass. She has a biting attitude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, Where's Lava Boy? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, they uh, just reversed it. Yeah. Lava Girl, Shark Boy. There you go. Yeah, thank you, Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> um, so anyway, they have discovered Lockheed, and they're scared to death of Lockheed and think he's invading the school, so they're going to fight him. He can't get his translator to work. Finally, it kicks on, and he tells them that he is now the headmaster of the school. Anyway, Wolverine's throwing a fit, and someone comments that uh, Evan says, something tells me the search for the Hellfire Club isn't going so well. And for whatever reason, maybe it's because we watched Wreck-It Ralph last night. I... I I hear the guy that plays uh, Fix-It Felix. Yes. I hear this quote in that voice in my head for whatever yes. reason. I just thought, <laughs> I don't know. I won't even try to do it because I A can't. A little hammer. Right. But no, but more of the guy from 30 Rock. But yeah. It's the same voice. And Lockheed's like, "Never. there's nothing to see here. Go back to your desk. And then we see Wolverine throwing a uh, ivory bust of Charles Xavier out the window, <laughs> which... I've been tainted for life. Well, my mom's been giving me piano lessons. And whenever we had a recital, we would get little little porcelain statues of composers' heads, like little head busts. And my, I used to have, like, my piano was lined with them at home, like, of all the, like, Brahms and Beethoven and Handel and whoever else. And so now I know you probably, as an art student, see some kind of period of sculpture. 
when uh-huh. you see this. For me, all I think of are piano recitals. <laughs> I think of Roman death masks. Okay. Anyway, Wolverine is pissed, and he goes and get a drink, and uh-oh. <laughs> Somebody's been drinking his whiskey. <laughs> and it was like his... It wasn't me. <laughs> no, not me this time. It turns out it must have been the Bamps. Since when are Bamps alcoholics? Since ever. <laughs> They're little demons from another dimension. Of course, they're going to come to Earth and get drunk. <laughs> There's not enough whiskey in their right. own dimension. Then we go back to the Hellfire Club, and old Demon Hands Man is beating up on Quentin Choir. Poor Quentin. And his Demon Hands, I got to say, are annoying. How does he open a jar? With their teeth. Actually, they have their own hands. His hands have hands. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but... De- okay, right thing... I want you to open the jar for me and hold it while I drink out of I it. I think he can. I think he's kind of in control of them. I think they have a mind of their own, but they also, I think, can choose whether to do what he tells them to do or not. Yeah, but in the bottom panel, they're talking about who they're going to eat. Like, how frustrating is that? Not only do you have to make your supper, but you got to make your hand supper. Right. <laughs> well, he's a lord of hell. Maybe he doesn't eat. I don't know. <laughs> That's true. Maybe he only eats when he feels like eating little kids. <laughs> Halloween's his favorite time of the right. year. So anyway, uh, anyway, uh, Philistine comes in and tells him that's enough. We'll handle it from here. And so he walks off. And uh, so apparently what happened is they tried to throw Quentin Choir through the Siege Perilous, like we saw at the end of last issue. Right. And it rejected him. So the Philistine thinks that must make him, there's something either wrong or he's super powerful. And I, I think we're voting on the super powerful. But we know that about him, that he's he's an Omega level mutant and there's something like kind of different about him. Right. And that's been hinted at, it hasn't been revealed yet. Basically, the Philistine says that he is the servant of the siege. So then we get a little flashback months ago to the guy who's a Philistine. Okay, so. He's an archaeologist. Is he, is so let me back up. Is Quentin trying to read his mind? So this is is yes. this is Quentin in his mind? Oh, well, he hasn't been able to read his mind so far, so I yeah. don't know. But see, he says he's definitely uh, trying to. Right. I'm, he says, "Are you worthy?" And then he kind of goes on this tangent, and you get these little bubbles, like he actually may have right found a way in. I don't know, but basically, inquires challenging that the Philistine is worthy. Because the Philistines is basically really proudful that he, he went through the Siege Perilous and came out with these superpowers because it deemed him so special. And Clinton Quire's like, you're not that special. But he says, yes, I am. I was an archaeologist. I found the Siege Perilous. I was supposed to turn it in. But I didn't want to, so I killed my partner and went through it. And became the Philistine. Yes. And so he goes after Clinton Quire, throws him against a wall. And so he tries to find out what... See, this is what I I think he's been trying to read this whole time. He's still trying to figure out where the other students are. So I think the flashback was just more for our benefit. And basically he says, the Philistine says, he serves the perilous, or the siege. And Quentin Quire's like, I thought you worked for the academy. And he's like, no, the siege wants me here right now, so I'm here right now, but I don't work for the academy. And he basically tells Quentin Quire, I will break you, like Rocky Four style. Right. And eventually you will be thrown through the Siege Perilous and come out better like everybody else. So we go to the Hellfire Academy Teacher's Lounge. And they're reviewing students. Yes, they're having a meeting. And basically they feel like none of these mutants are evil enough to be villains. Which is what we actually said. Yeah, Last. a bunch of, bunch of scrubs. Yeah. And the Hellfire Academy, you don't want no scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> I 
ain't got no scrubs. Wait, what? How, I don't even know how that song goes. I don't want no scrubs. But a scrub is a guy who won't get no love from me. Yes. Yeah. But a scrub is also a guy who's sitting in his best friend's ride. Uh, yeah, some, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I hope you edit that out. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so they basically say all the students are worthless except for... Uh, Starwood says the brew and infestation are coming along quite nicely. He says, but Mudbug and Glob Herman would not have half a brain if they pulled their resources. And Dog is aware or has inferred that Idy is hiding something and they shouldn't trust her. He says, I don't care. And he has, it looks like the same bottle of whiskey that Wolverine was looking for. They're, they're brothers, right? Yeah, they're half brothers. So. And then we get an off panel. Maybe some of these kids don't want to be bad guys. Oh, dun, dun, dun. They turn over and Toad's taking out the trash. You know, last time when we talked about Toad, we had kind of hoped he'd grow a pair. Yeah. And I think we're starting to see he's... Oh, I think we're starting to see that in this issue yeah. for sure. I like how <laughs> probably one of my favorite things about this panel right here is the way Bradshaw drew it. That he doesn't even turn around to address them. Like He's so like... Yes. Almost like above them in a way that he just, just keeps looking at the trash he's taken out. Like he doesn't even, like he can't even give them that like respect that I'm going to, I think also because he knows he's not one of them, but well, he's not going to come like beg his way into the conversation. Or, he's going to give his two cents from the side and keep going about his business. I was going to say, or it could be, you know, it, it it's one of those, these people aren't going to listen to me anyway. Right. You know, so here's my two cents. Take right. it or leave it. He basically says, maybe we should actually, you know, educate them. Because, you know, you know, we talked about Toad's kind of still walking the line, good guy, bad guy. Right. And I think he, while well, he felt unappreciated at the school, at the Jean Grey school, and wanted to be with Husk, I think part of him still knew that the Jean Grey school was doing the right thing. And he did come to another school. It's a school for bad guys, but I think I think he still has some kind of ideology he's either wrestling with or coming to terms with or whatever. And then Husk pushes him out of the room, says, I can't believe you embarrass me like that. He's like, but Paige, I think we... Slam! And she goes, you're smothering me, Mortimer. You have no respect for my career. You never have. You know, I kind of like the way... They're, Jason Aaron is writing Paige like a complete bitch. <laughs> yeah I've never really liked the character so I'm kind of glad he's doing this right she's definitely the bad guy in the relationship and Toad just wants to talk but she slams the door on him aw Toad's being sensitive and cause Toad's like I think we should slam and he hangs his head leave like he wants he wants to get out alright so then we see Wolverine's new plan He's got a new, looks like scotch now, and some shot glasses, and the bass are like, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> Reminds me of the uh, seagulls from Fighting yes. Nemo. They're like, mine, mine, mine. So the vamps are grabbing whiskey and driving shot glasses. Wolverine's like, all right, you little buggers like whiskey, don't you? All right, well, I'll give you all the whiskey you can handle, assuming we can come to an agreement. And he has a bunch of tiny little leashes. <laughs> Which... Bradshaw draws a super buff Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. His biceps have biceps. I've said before, I'm not a huge fan of Wolverine being that big. Right. I like him a little leaner and meaner. But, uh-huh. you know, I, I like Bradshaw's art enough. He kind of gets some pass on me. <laughs> but 
Anyway, then the next scene, Wolverine's in uniform, and the bats are going crazy, and he's got them all on leashes, and they're just they're teleporting all over the place. I, I like the way this this one is drawn a yes, lot. I like it a lot, too. I just like how he comes out of the corner, and it's sort of these little snippets, and then he exits out the bottom. So then we uh, he goes to the home in Alabama where Mudbug was recruited from. It's the Ledbetter home in Bugtustle, Alabama. The Woohoo! Hell- the Hellfire Club recruited a mutant from here and by all accounts teleported away. And we see the dad come out and says, Hey, get the hell off my land with them weird blue mutts. <laughs> and he tells the bats to be his teleportation sniffing dogs. And the guy like walks up to Wolverine point blank with a double barrel shotgun. And he's like, I warned you. And he shoots. But as he shoots, Wolverine and the bats teleport away, knocking the guy over. Which is funny because when Wolverine, he could have actually shot him and it wouldn't have mattered. No. And Wolverine not only got away in the nick of time, he didn't, he wasn't even, he didn't feel threatened at all. No, it was kind of like, you idiot. Shoot me. (laughs) Go ahead, shoot me. I I don't have time to even acknowledge you. I got what I need, I'm out of here. Yeah. Bam, bam, bam. (laughs) Whiskey, bam. Yeah. (laughs) And then, so we see, what do you think of the place? And we see Sabretooth's claws hanging down. Sabertooth talks about all the crazy things he found on this island. A volcano shot down his plane, and then a swamp with eyes ate it. Seaweed vines the size of pythons nearly dragged me into the ocean. A pack of giggling thorn bushes tried to choke me, and then a giant tree cracked exploding coconuts on my head. So in other words, he grabbed some weird, like, goldfish bird. (laughs) He says, can I rent this place for my next birthday party? And we see Sabretooth. And he crushes the bird in his hand, all blood and guts coming out. And Kane Kilgore's like, welcome aboard. And they kind of talk to each other about that, that Sabretooth uh, can get used to this consulting business. So Sabretooth is, is helping him. Yes. Basically, he's supplied most of his staff. He's probably giving him like strategy. Right. Whatever. And um, basically, Sabretooth says, I'm taking all your money. I haven't even done any fighting yet. <laughs> And Ken Kilgore's like, welcome to upper management. <laughs> this kid drives me nuts. I want to smack him upside the head. <laughs> so, uh, Ken Kilgore calls a video conference to introduce Sabretooth to the rest of the Hellfire Academy to welcome the newest Hellfire Club member and freshly appointed Minister of Education. And I really like this. It says, the current ninja master of the Tokyo Hand and murder lord of the Eastern Hemisphere not to mention my personal hunting buddy. Because I've, I've been complaining a lot that since the end of the last Wolverine series, where Sabretooth became the invisible king of Tokyo and the Asian, like, black market, that's been basically ignored since then. And I've been complaining about that because I really like that evolution in his character. It kind of took him back to his roots of being a pirate slash bounty hunter and not just an X-Men villain, not just a guy who fought Wolverine. That was all he was. Right. Like it made him more, it gave him more character depth and made him smarter like he kind of was when he first came on the scene. And if you want to hear about that, you can check our uh, couple episodes ago. We do a flashback about his first appearance. Anyway, so I'm glad we're kind of seeing that actually finally addressed a little bit in the in Marvel now. So I was really excited to hear about that. And, and the fact about him being like, in charge now, not having to do all the dirty work himself. Like, I like the steps that Sabretooth is taking as a character. So I was really, actually really excited to read this page. Then we go and Sauron is going to suck 
some of Quentin Quire's energies are still trying to break his spirit and possibly his body. And the Mojo lady is trying to videotape it for her Mojo TV verse, universe, whatever. And they're all laughing and cackling. And we see Toad walk up behind her. And he grips his mop and grits his teeth. I'm pretty sure he's about to mop the floor with these guys. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so then we see um, Wolverine bamp some more. And it looks like he has a digital camera. No, he's... Oh, so no, he picks up the digital camera. This okay. is the guy... Remember Philistine? Talks about how he's an archaeologist and oh. he kills the guy. Well, see, there's part of his head missing. Yes. And the guy was holding a camera as he was crushing his head in. So that's his camera. I did not even catch that. Ha ha. So then, well, that makes even more sense because now I know why Wolverine's studying the camera. Yes. Because he's going to see pictures of the Siege Perilous, which he will recognize. So then the rest of the Hellfire uh, kids are talking about some stuff. The leader kids, not the students. Uh, the girl says, I ate baby seals for breakfast. Oh, my goodness. And they're basically trying to decide, well, are the students ready? And Mystique is like, well, let us show you. And then we see Wolverine on an iceberg. Okay, smarty pants. What scene is this from? I don't know. I think it's from when uh, Kate Kilgore found Sabretooth. Which may have been right before you started reading. I was going to say, yeah. I don't, I'm not following that one. They, uh, they were, they were both independently hunting Eskimos for fun. And then ran into each other and found out they had some oh, stuff wait. in common. Hunting Eskimos. Like not people. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course they were. Actually, I think Kilgore may have been hunting Antarctic research scientist. But anyway, they were hunting, they were both hunting people in the Arctic. Of course they were. And so, uh. That's where they found each other when they met. Oh, what a beautiful love story. Yes. <laughs> How did y'all meet? Oh, on a people hunting expedition. Right. So then we see uh, the Philistine is talking to Silver Samurai about getting some supplies. Then he teleports away with his foomph. Then we get a bamf as Wolverine shows up. I do like um, that... Uh, oh, that's what says her name. Ma- Madame Mondo is Lady Mojo. She wants something called a Warner Herzog, which, which is a really, really like artsy independent director. He did the uh, the documentary about the bears where the guy died. Oh he yes. He has a bunch of stuff about how the futility of mankind. Like, everything's real bleak and okay, so pessimistic. In the last panel, it was says, Silver Samurai is locating his address. Yes, I can just hear Siri's voice. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and the way she would pronounce it. <laughs> All right, so then Kay Kilgore introduces the newest Hellions, which is the uh, official students of the Hellfire Academy. And we get a nice little focus on Idie's face, and she's like, all hail Hellfire! I think we're supposed to wonder, well, did she actually buy into this, or is she still on her mission? Right. I'm pretty sure she's still on her mission, but it's, it's a good panel anyway. Then Wolverine finds the Silver Samurai, and we get a nice snicked, and he goes... Took a lot of whiskey to get here, but it was worth every drop. And he smiles. He's right. Of course, he has a lot of history with the uh, previous Silver Samurai. And a little bit of history with this one. So he, this is going to be a fight he's going to enjoy. And he's going to try to interrogate the Silver Samurai on a Tokyo rooftop. I guess it's... Didn't it? Maybe not actually said. Maybe I'm just assuming it's Tokyo. Um, I don't think it says. Yeah, so it, it, it could doesn't be anywhere. say. That's his home turf, but he may be... Somewhere else. Anyway, I thought this issue was really fun, really well drawn. 
The colors were fantastic. Don't want to leave out the inkers and the letters. They both did a really good job. So Walden Wong. I, him and Bradshaw make a really good team for pencils and inks. And the colors by uh, Martin and Mia are just... This issue felt really lively and vibrant. Yes. And with the quick pace, that works really well. And the it does. issue was very quickly paced. It was. So, and then the letter and giving different people different letters. That's kind of staple in comics now, but I still appreciate it. So, I just feel like this, from cover to cover, this is just a really fun book. It, the story moved. <laughs> Again, just totally opposite in pace from the regular yes, Wolverine book. It is. So one's in a snail's pace and one is almost so fast that it's super easy to miss stuff. Well, okay. So what I love about this book is, you know, and you missed it while Wolverine was looking at the camera. Right, right. So it's like it gave you a cookie in the beginning. It hasn't resolved it by the end, but you know that we're on no. that path. Well, and, and it's cool, though, because it makes the flashback. Like, you get insight into the Philistine. Right. It also sets up something that happens in the story. Yes. So it's not just like an origin. It's yes. actually like a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've made no secret on this podcast. I'm a huge Jason Aaron fan. And, and this book just continues to deliver issue after issue. I'm looking forward to the next part, as usual, with this book. All right, when do you, when you grade it? I, can't, I have to give it three. So we both agree then that Wolverine and the X-Men number 32, right? Yeah, yes. 32 uh, gets three out of three claws from both of us. Yeah. Awesome book. Can't wait for the next one. I can't wait either. All right, cool. Let's move on. Okay, so up next we have a little something old, something new. We have all new X-Men number 13. This is written by Brian Michael Bendis. Pencils by Stuart Eminen. Inker is Wade Von Grobiger. Colorist is Rain Barreto. Letterer is VC's Corey Pettit. And then Eminen, Von Grobiger, and Gracia, Marte Gracia, did the cover. It's a pretty sweet cover. It has the, uh, the four remaining original X-Men. Of course, Angel defected to older Cyclops' team. And, um... They're surrounded by a bunch of soldiers. So I gotta say, it's a pretty sweet cover. Uh, definitely brings some suspense to the story. I thought I wanted to read it. So, job well done. And then, so we open up with a almost two-page spread of Jean Grey, young Jean Grey with the phoenix behind her. Burning everybody up. And Wolverine kind of cowering from it. And young Cyclops, you can see tears coming out from under his visor. And Wolverine's like, oh, Jeannie, no! And Cyclops, young Cyclops asks what is happening to her. And Wolverine just says, please, not this, not again. And Eminem really, I really like his uh, Phoenix power display behind the young Jean Grey. And I really like the way Barreto colors it. It looks really cool. A very striking first 
thing to see when you flip the book open. Then, of course, we go immediately when we turn the page to six hours ago. We have Wolverine and Kitty Pride with the young X-Men, the original X-Men on a Blackbird. And again, just comment that I love the coloring inside the cockpit. Gracia kind of... Other colorists and artists have done it this way in the past, too. But it kind of really popped into Gracia, and Barreto is uh, carrying that on. It looks really nice. So props to Barreto for... Uh, the Blackbird cockpit. It's a young Iceman. They're all kind of sitting there and quietly in the cockpit. And the young Iceman finally breaks the silence and is like, Am I the only one upset that Warren bailed on us? Of course, young Gene and young Scott are both like, No. Young V says, He'll come back. We just have to have faith. Then young Iceman challenges young Cyclops that we didn't know he had a brother. Maybe we're not as close as we all thought. And Wolverine says, yeah, yeah. He turns around, gets out of the driver's seat, and goes back to his students. He says, yeah, yeah. Nobody knows anybody as well as they thought. That's what makes the world interesting. All right, time for some schooling. And he points to Jean, and he tells her he wants her to try to make people not see them, basically. Right, they're going to investigate a site where Mystique attacks some people under the guise of being them. But they don't want to alarm anybody, so he needs Gene to cloak their presence mentally. And basically, they, him and Kitty team up and tell Gene the way to do that is just make people feel like nothing's different. Like, there's nothing happening, nothing to think about. You make them think about nothing, as far as we're concerned. And Iceman goes, well, I can just make everyone real cold. <laughs> Love the way Bendis writes Young Iceman here. So then we land in a Resilient International in Seattle. And uh, we get a little bit of inside comic humor. Young Iceman says, Tony Stark is Iron Man? And someone says, it's common knowledge, Bobby. Bobby says, I didn't know that. Where we come from, he was, I guess he was pretending to be his own bodyguard. And someone else says, how did that work out? <laughs> And so Wolverine is tracking, and the students are amazed that he's able to do this. He says he picks up a scent, and young Iceman says, Is that what you do? Pick up scents? Is your mutant name Hound Dog? Ain't nothing but a hound dog. And Wolverine doesn't cry all the time. And we didn't cry in an Age of Ultron. <laughs> he's like, No, Wolverine. I have the scent. Let's go. And he says that Mystique is with Sabretooth, someone I've been pop bopping heads with since the turn of the century. And young Iceman says, century? Which century? And Wolverine says, pick one. <laughs> young Cyclops kind of says, well, you know Sabretooth pretty well? Oh yeah, but he knows you too? Yep. Then he knows you're going to track him. They all do. And Wolverine's like, yeah, you're right. And young Cyclops says, so they'll know you're coming. Then uh, Jean Grey kind of, I don't know what really happens, but one of the guys, one of the guards at the place kind of blinks back in reality and sees them all. And he's like, oh no, they're back. Get them. Ah. Young Iceman is like, got this. And he makes a giant ice wall as they, the soldiers shoot at the X-Men, but it just hits the ice wall. And he's like, see, I do stuff. <laughs> and Jean Grey's apologizing. And they, uh, they get lost, basically. They get the jet. By the time the soldiers break through the ice, the Blackbird is gone. And we see, um, Mystique and Sabretooth watching Havoc's inward speech from Uncanny Avengers on a laptop on top of a sports car. Lady Mastermind approaches them again and says she wa still wants in on the plan, wants to know what all the money's for. Basically, Mystique says, 
She tells her, you and I and Victor and all our quote-unquote peers, we have spent our entire lives fighting. We were X-Men, we were Brotherhood, we were everything we needed to be when we needed to be it. And here we are, and we are not one step closer to any damn thing. And it just occurs to me that people of our talent should have more to show to it than we do. And when you ask mine, you can't tell if she's just not buying it, but she's like, what's the money for? And Sabertooth <laughs> sniffs in the air. They're here. And Mystique tells uh, Lady Mastermind to be cool and let her do the talking. And Silver Samurai shows up with an army of, looks like ninjas, I guess? No, of Hydra. He is guarding Madame Hydra. Viper is here. And she says, Raven, darling, you look. And she sees a giant pile of cash. Like... Scrooge McDuck pile of cash. And she says, you look absolutely gorgeous. So what can I and Hydra do for you? As she eyeballs the money. And Mystique says she wants to buy Madripoor. And then so we see a viper, I guess, mulling over what Mystique says. We switch back to the Blackbird and they're watching Havoc's speech. Young Iceman's like, the M word? And young Cyclops says, when did this happen? And Wolverine's like, this morning? And Kitty said, why didn't you tell us? he goes, if I have to report to you every time a Summers brother makes an announcement, we'll never get anything else done. <laughs> and young Iceman's like, who cares what he wants to be called? Wolverine says, exactly. And B says, the M word? I know what he's trying to say, but then Cyclops approaches Jean. And she's like, I screwed up. I could have got everybody killed. And Cyclops is like, but you didn't. You screwed up, but you got to learn from it, Cyclops says. But Jean is a... Uh, She's really on the kind of the balancing beam. She's like, you haven't seen what I've seen. I've seen my entire life flash before my eyes and I know, I know I have to be perfect or things will fly off the rails. I just, I have to be a better me. And B says, is it a bad word? Mutant? Is it derogatory? And young Iceman says, any word can be derogatory if you say it with enough derogatory. And he kind of turns up his nose and puts his hand up and he's like, pepperoni. <laughs> and then Kitty Price asks her, the students ask her what she thinks. So we get a different take. Readers can decide what you think is right or wrong or whatever, but this is uh, Kitty's take. She says, I'm Jewish. I don't have a quote unquote Jewish sounding name. I don't look or sound Jewish, whatever that looks or sounds like. So if you didn't know I was Jewish, you might not know unless I told you. Same goes for my mutation. I don't have to wear a visor or have blue fur all over me. I can walk around, Jessie, a young woman of the world, except I'm not. And she talks about how she was in love with a boy when she was 13. She followed him around like a puppy. And uh, one day he saw a rabbi across the street and made a very anti-Semitic comment. Kitty said she won't even repeat it. But he just said it and started laughing and laughed and laughed. And of course she got, she was really disappointed in her heart sank that this boy she was in love with didn't like her people. And then she got mad. She, she says, I turned to him and I growled. I'm Jewish. And he... He just stared at me like he didn't even realize he said something wrong. Or he didn't know how to compute what I just said. But when I got home after I was done crying my eyes out, my first heartbreak, I realized I was maybe, for the first time ever, I was really proud of myself. I am Jewish. I am a mutant. And I want people to know who and what I am. I tell people because, hey, if we're going to have a problem with it, I'd like to know. So no offense to your brother, Scott, but he sure as hell ain't talking for me. All right, so they show up then to the hangar, and we go back inside. The hangar where uh, the, the new evil brotherhood of mutants is. And Viper says, you want to buy Madripoor for me? 
And Mystique says, the whole thing. And Viper says, I don't own it, but you do control it. I only just took control and now you want to control it? Mystique says, this is one of the few times where everything with me is just like it seems. And uh, uh, Viper says, you could have shapeshifted into my organization and tried to assassinate me. At least you could have tried. But instead, you're going to give me a giant pile of money and send me on my way. And Mystique crosses her arms and says, if I would have killed you, two more would have grown in your place. Isn't that the thing? And Viper looks really uh, surprised. So we go outside and Wolverine says... Tells the students there's a bunch of Hydra. And young Iceman says, they look like little green Nazis. And so Gene looks into their thoughts. Mystique says that Hydra could go anywhere else they wanted. They'd have to just respect each other's boundaries. And we go back outside and Gene says, Mystique is buying something called a Madripoor. And Kitty Pride's like, what? And young Iceman says, a Madchapusha? What's a Padchapusha? <laughs> and Wolverine's like, no, she ain't. And he pulls his mask on and he tells the kids to stay back that her and him and Kitty will go in by themselves. And we go back inside and we see Sabretooth sniffing the air. And we go back outside and Gene says, Sabretooth knows you're here. Wolverine's like, yeah, let's go, Pride. And he jumps through the skylight and all the young X-Men are behind him. And he's like, told you kids to stay back. And Iceman's on his ice glide and he says, what? I totally missed that. Making a really awesome scene. By the way, uh, the art has been really good in the whole book. But this page, when the X-Men jump through the skylight and attack Mystique and Sabretooth, is awesome. It's really cool. We get another really, really cool panel where Wolverine sticks his claw into Sabretooth's shoulder and Sabretooth scratches Wolverine's arm and they're growling at each other. It's really pretty awesome. And uh, Viper says, decides to mystique. Uh, she goes, filthy mutants, you set me up. Me? And Mystique's like, you idiots. And Kitty Pride starts phasing through all of Hydra's guns. Of course, messing them up because they're all, they're not real guns. They're like all super electronic sci-fi guns. So she can uh, short circuit them. And Lady Mastermind's like, it's her. Jean Grey. The real honest to goodness Jean Grey. And she approaches her looking like her father. And says, do you remember me, Jean? I am Jason Weingard, the original mastermind. How I have missed you so. You were never more complete than when we were together. And Jean's eyes start to burn. And then the last page is a full page spread. And Jean's in the air, bursting into the phoenix flame bird. With young Scott and Wolverine kind of back where we started the issue. Just like, oh, shit. <laughs> and Wayne the Mastermind says, You destroyed my family and drove my father insane. So welcome to hell, Gene Gray. Alright, so I'd really love to hear some people's thoughts. Where the X-Men came from in the past, Gene had not been bonded with the Phoenix yet. So Lady Mastermind is just doing her mastermind thing, right? Like making, she knows that Jean Grey knows, or maybe she looked inside Jean Grey's mind, or maybe she's just playing a bet and she won. But we know, as a reader anyway, at least, and mastermind could have read her Jean's mind and found this out too. The young Jean knows, because she knows like her whole quote-unquote future, the Jean Grey we all grew up with. So even though our Jean is not, even though this Jean, young Jean, has not experienced the Phoenix yet, she knows about it and knows what it does to Jean. So, even though she doesn't have the power, Lady Mastermind can use that knowledge against her by making her feel like, oh crap, I'm the Phoenix now, this is how I die, you know, oh no, and really scaring her. 
And she can plant that in the other X-Men too, really everybody in the room who would be scared of the Phoenix. So that's kind of what I think is happening. We'll see um, if that's how that plays out or not. I would love to hear anybody else's theories about that as far as what you think is going on. I mean, there's no way it can really be the Phoenix, right? Right? I'm pretty sure it's not. But if anybody can make a good case for it being that way, I'd love to hear it. Anyway, this issue is awesome. This whole series is awesome. I'm going to give all new X-Men number 13, as usual, a three out of three claws. Okay, so our last segment for this episode will be Where's Logan? And Logan this week appeared in Scarlet Spider number 18. Written by Chris Yost. Pencils by Carlo Barbary and Ale Garza. Walden Wong did the inks. Rex Locust did the colors. VCs Joe Caramagna did the letters. And then Ryan Stegman and uh, I think it's Carlos Delgado did the cover. This is Wrath Part 2. And the cover, again by Stegman, is very awesome. Really love Stegman's Wolverine. Basically, we have uh, Wolverine and Spider Tron, <laughs> which is Scarlet Spiders in the Tron suit. They're like in a puddly alley, and uh, Spider Tron is crouching in front. And Wolverine's in the back, and there's a light shining on them. I guess they're standing in front of a brick wall. Wolverine's, like, standing behind Spider-Tron with his claws out and his arms kind of extended. And we have a shadow of Wolverine behind him on the wall. And they both have little laser dots on their forehead representing, uh, what do you call those? The, um, the sight? The targets? Whatever. The laser-guided guided bullet stuff. <laughs> I'm sounding like a moron. I'm sorry. Anyway, that's on their heads. It's a really, 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 really cool cover. I like it a lot. All right, so basically in the first issue, Kane, the Scarlet Spider, got in trouble with the Assassin's Guild. They said they're going to kill all his family unless he kills Wolverine. So he tried to break into the mansion. He stabbed Wolverine in the heart. And now the X-Men are super pissed. So we see uh, Wolverine on the ground. And of course, there's an assassin outside of the school for the Assassin's Guild. And he's reporting back that Wolverine is dead. His heart has stopped. And that Kane will soon be dead because the X-Men are about to kill him. (laughs) And then so the uh, storm... Shoots uh, Scarlet Spider into a wall. Iceman. Alright, so Scarlet Spider has a psychic hummingbird who has very strong telepathy. And she tries to convince the X-Men to let them go, but she can't. And this is something really cool. Iceman comes up and says, hard time thinking? That's what happens when your brain temperature drops. I gotta say, if Iceman's never done that before, I've never read it. And that is freaking sweet. I mean, I'm just <laughs> I'm taking it for granted because I don't know that Yost knows what he's talking about, and that that is actually scientifically plausible. That if your brain temperature does drop, that you do have less mental prowess. So assuming that's true, then this is really cool. And Yost hit on something that Iceman should use a lot more, like a whole lot more, like every time they fight bad guys. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, like I said, I'm kind of taking for granted that Yost did the science research and that's actually plausible. But assuming that it is, I thought this was really, really cool. I enjoyed it quite a bit. We have Beast leaning over Wolverine's chest. It says, fascinating. 
I can hear his muscles knitting together. What I'm not hearing is his heart starting to beat again. He goes, everyone may want to take a step back. And he raises his arms in the air and uh, slams them down on Wolverine's chest. And he kind of jumps back to life. And Wolverine just immediately jumps up with a snicked. He says, going to kill you, the Scarlet Spider. Another really cool thing. (laughs) Yost is, I'd like to see him write an X-Men book. I really enjoy what he's doing with the X-Men. So Wolverine goes after Scarlet Spider with his claws out. We get one of the coolest snacks I've ever seen. You know, snack, the sound that Wolverine's claws make coming back in. We see one panel, he's about to stab Scarlet Spider in the face. And he literally snacks as he's punching him. So instead of cutting off his head, he just hits him really, really hard. So he comes at him with the claws and then pulls him in right at the last second and just delivers a hell of a punch. And then he steps on Scarlet Spider's head. Gotta say, I'm a Barbary fan and a Garza fan, as we'll see later. And the art in this book is really, really good. And the colors are really, really good. So good job, Rex. All right, so then we transfer to soon. And Wolverine is telling Storm he'll be back in 24 hours. And Storm's like, or dead. And Wolverine, or Storm says, and you're not going to tell me where you're going? Or what you're doing, or why you trust this man who stabbed you in the heart. And they're gonna leave Hummingbird at the school, and a Wolverine's changing into his silver and black X Force costume. So that's pretty sweet. Then we go back to New Orleans. The Assassin's Guild have trapped some businessmen, and maybe, I think it's maybe a lawyer, like right? maybe a, a mob lawyer or something. Anyway, they kill him because their boss wants them to. So Wolverine and Scarlet Spider are on a Blackbird. And they're going by themselves to find the Assassin's Guild. Then we kind of get this thing where Scarlet Spider says this whole thing was just a a plan to ask you for help. Which I'm not going to buy at all. Well, you know, maybe so. But no, because Scarlet Spider stabbed him out of anger. So maybe he meant to attack the X-Men and then ask him for help. And he lost his cool and stabbed Wolverine in the heart just out of instinct. Kind of an accident. Maybe that happened. But uh, <laughs> he tells Wolverine, he goes, everything worked out. You lived. <laughs> he goes, and if I did it? And Scarlet Spider says, well, my problem is solved either way. And Wolverine asks how he got mixed up. And so for our benefit, or especially my benefit, he's only read the last issue of Scarlet Spider. Basically, he explains he was competing with them for jobs. And so Wolverine says, so what are you, Spider-Man's evil clone? And Kane's like, yeah. Wolverine goes, I can't, whatever. He's like, I got a clone too. (laughs) Yost has a really, I really like his sense of humor. I'm a Yost fan. Um, You know, reading this, these last couple issues, if I can find something else to drop, I might start getting Scarlet Spider. I'm a Yost fan. I like him. Is he also going to write the Avenging Spider team-up whatever book? He was writing some of the the last part of Avenging Spider-Man too, right? Which I enjoyed that too. So at least I'm getting some Yost fix. But um, yeah, if I can find something to drop, I might pick up uh, Scarlet Spider. Um, the last issue was really good. This one's pretty good so far too. So uh, Wolverine says, here's the deal. We do this. And then I ever see you or your sidekick again. I see you again. You die. And Kane's like, okay, deal. So Beast finds out that uh, Hummingbird's not a mutant, but there's another consciousness inside her brain. All right, so we go back to New Orleans. And, of course, Scarlet Spider with this costume can cloak himself. So I guess he cloaks Wolverine, too, somehow. Maybe by touching him. 
But um, they find the Assassin's Guild guard at some Assassin's Guild like little castle. And we get an invisible snick and an invisible shuck. And then Scarlet Spider ties the guard up to a statue with his webs. Then we see Wolverine and Scarlet Spider taking out guards left and right. Then we see uh, Scarlet Spider hangs a guy with his web, like in a noose. I really like the way he uses his webs. He's like an ultra-violent Spider-Man. <laughs> it's pretty cool. So they continue to take out the guards, but one of them yells, so they know the Assassin's Guild is coming. And then we get something I think is a mistake. Not like a continuity mistake or an art mistake, but like a publishing mistake. We have, at least in my copy, and I'd be interested to know if everybody's copy was like this, I'm assuming so. We have a two-page spread, but instead of the page like opening up like in the middle of the comic to this spread, like one page, one side is on the front, and the back side, which completely connects to it, makes one image, you have to turn the page to see. It's really strange and really too bad because it's one hell of an image by Barbary. It's really fantastic. I would really like to see it together, but I can't. <laughs> so anyway, you have Wolverine's claw. Like Wolverine like stabbing at some guards on the first page and you turn the page and you see his claw and you see Scarlet Spider doing all kinds of cool violent stuff with his webs. It'd make a really, really cool poster. It's really, really sweet. I like it a lot. So then, um, they continue continue to take out guards, and some of the big guns start showing up. We get a guy named Harvest, who's a ninja with a uh, skull-like faceplate, and he's mad because Scarlet Spider had cut off his leg. He now has a bionic leg. And, um, Wolverine gets shot by a guy. His name's Smithy, or maybe Smitty. Um, he can teleport guns into his hands. That seems a very specific use of teleportation, but whatever, I'll go with it. Then there's this girl. I don't know. She's in a nightgown. She has a teddy bear, but she's super strong. They start to get the upper hand on Scarlet Spider and Wolverine. And this Smitty guy is about to uh, shoot an explosive round in Wolverine's eye socket to see if he'll come back from that. But Scarlet Spider says he needs him alive, and he shoots his web, he webs Wolverine and yanks him out of the way. And then the Harvest guy cuts him across the chest. Then <laughs> Wolverine, you can't really see. Uh, this is by the way where the art changes. We switched to Ali Garza, and it's a good switch. I like them both a lot, so I don't think one's necessarily better than the other. That's really cool. So we can't really see with the the panel playing as Wolverine's head comes out of one panel into the other one but it looks like and it kind of covers up some of the action but it looks like Wolverine cut off the bionic leg from Harvest and if so like he cut off the like, alright so Scarlet Spider cuts off his leg he gets a bionic leg he's fighting again and Wolverine cuts off the same leg that's awesome and hilarious I love it so we find out the little the super little girl's name is Flower Wolverine's like kids and kicks her in the chest and then uh belladonna i guess she has psychic whips i don't really remember her powers from the gambit days but she's got something coming out of her hand and she hits wolverine across the back of the head and she can give some sob story about you don't realize what's happening we have to kill wolverine we have to kill you we have to kill you all or the red death yeah the red death will be angry if you don't die she'll kill us all and then wolverine goes he's hiding behind a column now and he says hey bell if i kill kane will you leave the x-men alone forever 
just ask. <laughs> and Scarlet Spider goes invisible, and Wolverine says, just asking. And I gotta say, kind of a dumb thing that Scarlet Spider would go, I mean, no, he's not going invisible because Wolverine threatened him, as we've seen in a couple of panels. But Wolverine kind of says, just asking, like, oh, just joking, you don't have to disappear. And of course, he can still track him down with his scent, anyway. And Belladonna's like, is this funny to you? Is this a joke? The Red Death is coming! The Red! And then Scarlet Spider shows back up, and he grabs Belladonna. We get a shuck as he holds his spike up to Belladonna's head. He says, you tell me. Do you think I'm joking? And Smitty says, you can't win. And Scarlet Spider says, watch me. Everybody back off or I'll kill her. And Smitty says, no, you let her go or I'll... And then he gets stabbed by giant red spikes. And then these gray, like, misty things grab Scarlet Spider and Wolverine around the neck. And Belladonna's like, she's here! The Red Death has come for you all! And we see a lady who looks kind of like the Enchantress, but in red. And a bunch of flowing, like, red silk scarf cape things. And uh, Scarlet Spider says, huh, looking back, killing Wolverine seems like it was a better way to go. <laughs> Instead of enlisting him to attack the Assassin's Guild, he should have just killed him and been done with it. Anyway, to be concluded, I gotta say, I love this issue. Awesome cover, awesome art, really snappy dialogue and cool action, cool colors, cool inks by Walden Wong. Just a great, really fun book. The Assassin's Guild kind of appeals to my 90s X-Men love with Gambit and stuff. By the way, with that Gambit series, it's I think it ended yesterday. I think the last issue came out yesterday. I was thinking about maybe trying to pick it up and trade. Is it good? I know uh, Osmus I like mostly, I think, if I remember right. And uh, I like Clayman's art a lot. I don't know if he ended up doing the whole 13 or 14, however many issues it was or not. But I like his art a lot. Not really sure why I never tried it. I think I went through the first couple issues and wasn't that interested. But then now I kind of, I don't know. Anyway, I was thinking about giving the trade a try. Or one of the trades. Probably more than one, I guess. So if anybody has any opinions on it, I'd love to hear it. Whether it's worth uh, spending some money on. Anyway, this story is great. It's fun. I love it. Scarlet Spider 18 gets three out of three claws. All right, well, that's going to do it. Okay, so that's going to wrap up for this episode. Finish up June 2013 is done. And I'm pretty sure by the time you're hearing this, it's definitely probably July. <laughs> I was assuming by the time I edit, that's where it will be. Not exactly sure what's going to be next. If everything goes according to plan, it'll be another flashback episode. It'll be Wolverine Year 4. So that's what I'm shooting for. We're supposed to uh, do that sometime over the holiday, July 4th. So I'll try to get that uh, edited as quickly as possible after that. Anyway, yeah, so that's the plan. That'll be next. So uh, all the usual stuff. Please uh, leave an iTunes review if you want to check out the website for show notes and leave comments. That's snipcast.podbean.com. Of course, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, just search the podcast that goes snicked, or you can, uh, the URL is facebook.com slash snicked podcast fan page. You can email questions, comments, theories, uh, snickcast at yahoo.com, and follow us on Twitter at snickcast. All right, well, that's it. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, and hope you're enjoying your summer. Uh, assuming you're in my hemisphere, maybe you're not. Maybe you're enjoying your winter. 
I don't know. Either way, hope you're having a good time, and I'll see you guys soon. All right, hugs and snicks. Bye.